0: the new am 740
1: from hockey to wrestling football to golf no sport left unturned you're listening to the naz and wally sports hour on zoomer radio good morning naz good morning wally neil the boys are back let's talk sports
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. With me in studio as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? Uh uh I'm great. I want to ask you, are you uh are you excited about today's uh, All-Star games? The All-Star game, uh, the NHL All-Star game and of course the NFL Pro Bowl. I know you've yeah, been I, I, I know I'm, you've I'm been really, counting down I'm, the minutes, I'm Nash. really
3: excited about both, yeah. The Pro Bowl and the NHL All-Star game. Yeah, I touch can't a, <laughs> wait to get home to watch
2: it. Touch of sarcasm from Naz and from Nas and Wally this morning uh <laughs> Um, I guess neither one of us are uh, a big fan of essentially what our exhibitions and skills competition They're, you know, the only all star game that really, uh, I wouldn't say makes any sense. Obviously, they, you know, obviously the NHL, they're trying to highlight and promote their great stars and the skill level. In, in in amongst hockey players today is is you know it's it, it's an incredibly high level and what these uh, what these players are able to do is sometimes is astounding in terms of their in terms of their talent and their skill so it's a showcase basically for for the skills There's, you know it's not hockey it's shinny. I mean let's call a spade a spade the actual game you know it's not you know it's not that exciting to watch it's not hockey uh, on the football side you know I guess. You're taking all the uh, all the hard the really hard hits out of it and it's and it takes the the violence and the edge out of out of football so i mean you get to you know if some guy makes a great throw and somebody makes a great catch uh you can appreciate the outstanding talents of these athletes but uh the only all star game that is really um I wouldn't say fun to watch but or, or make sense to watch, but the one that there's something at stake and is really worth watching, of course, the only one is, is Major League Baseball
3: because yeah, it one, means something. The baseball one is better for sure.
2: So, so, I, I, so I, I take it you're not going to be uh, sitting beside your TV watching the All-Star Game No, games absolutely, <laughs>
3: absolutely not. Absolutely not.
2: <laughs> anyway, just to give our listeners an idea where we're going with the show today, uh, shortly after the first break, Naz, I'll let you introduce our, our uh, first guest.
3: Former Leaf, uh, Hartford Whaler, Detroit Red Wing, and now living in New York and does uh, blogs on the New York Rangers games, Chris Kutsopolis, yeah former Leaf.
2: Certainly. I know that you've been, uh, you arranged that interview, and uh, I know you've uh, corresponded with Chris. He's certainly one of the most um, opinionated hockey analysts, so we're looking forward to talking to Chris Kutzopoulos. In the middle of the hour... uh uh, golf has registered on the Richter scale again this week, uh, although I'm, I'm a little bit shocked, and I want to ask this. Our guest will be from the Golf Channel, uh, host of the morning, uh, uh, on the morning drive, uh, Matt Janella. Matt's been with us before, very, uh, very astute golf observer, uh, very important man at the, at the Golf Channel, so we're certainly uh, looking forward to talking to him about the return of the Tiger. I watched him yesterday, for sure yeah yeah and tiger, uh
3: tiger was three three out of 14 fairways yeah still, he was all over the place he still <laughs> <shot 70.
2: laughs> he's all over the place yesterday so we're certainly we'll talk to matt janella and you know you you raise a good point there He only he only hit i think 20 or 21 percent fairways yesterday um uh, and still shot i, I think 70 i want to talk yeah, yeah i want to talk to we're going to talk to matt janelle about that i've got an, uh, an interesting observation about that um and uh, Leafs had, of course, we, you know, it, great it, end of the uh, uh, end
3: of the week. That's for sure. Yeah, your, end of the uh, schedule until the All Star game.
2: Your thoughts on this? They uh, earlier in the week, um, you looked at uh, what they had to accomplish going into the All Star break, and two tough games back to back: Chicago and Dallas, and uh, they won both games. They deserve to win
3: both games too. Uh, they played very, very well on the road. Very interesting. We talked about this earlier before we came on the air. And really, do they have anything to play for? They're 15 points ahead of the nearest uh, rival for the playoffs. So it's kind of a difficult time they're... to be playing games for them, too. Getting up for the games.
2: Yeah, they're in uh, uh, they're in NHL no man's land. Uh, I guess is one way to talk about it. Um, I wouldn't say they have nothing to play for, but they would have to have a major disaster of monumental proportions. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to tap the desk right now. <laughs> You're going
3: don't bring out the 18-wheeler.
2: Uh, I I just tapping the desks for good luck. Uh, I certainly don't want to put the hex on them or anything. And and I'm confident enough in 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 Mike Babcock and the talent on this team that I you know I can I can we can have a discussion of this issue without uh, without putting a, a pox on their house. Uh, uh, but there's, there's really no real scenario where they can miss the playoffs because of where they are positioned. Uh, I mean, the teams behind them are um, 15, 16, 17 points back, Ottawa, Montreal, Florida. I can't see any scenario where, where the Leafs are going to fall apart to that extent, or Ottawa, or Montreal, or Florida, or whomever is can possibly make up that gap. So I, I'm fairly confident in projecting that uh, Leafs. Uh, there's no scenario, uh, reasonable scenario, let's put it that way, that the Leafs will miss the playoffs. Um, so the only, and, uh, because they will finish at least third, and third gets them into the first round. In the uh, whatever the name of the conference is nowadays is it's not the Smythe or the Norris anymore, is it? It's the uh, Atlantic, the Atlantic Division. Um, so they're they're going to finish third there, quite likely. The other scenario is if they go on a tear, uh, which could which which is more probability of that happening. You know, where they let's say they win thirteen out of fifteen. Or, uh, you know, 14 out of 17, they make up ground on the Bruins in Tampa and vault themselves up into second or even conceivably first. But that, you know, I, I wouldn't put any money on it, but that that's a more reasonable scenario. But at the end of the day, the first round matchup for the Leafs is quite likely the Boston Bruins. Quite likely. Folks, it, and possibly uh, Tampa, because Boston's been on their own little tear, and they've been make, making up ground on Tampa. So that that's where this thing is shaping up. Um, Here's the Boston scenario. Freddie Anderson
3: against the Bruins. You know what his record is? I told you this earlier. 9-0-0. Nine, zero, zero. Nine wins, no losses, no ties against the Bruins. That's matchup, a, pretty good for Toronto. Uh,
2: uh, certainly the Boston matchup looks looks. Pretty good for Toronto. They've had they've had some success against the Bruins in the last uh, during the Mike Babcock era in Toronto. Uh, Although you know, when you get to the playoffs, uh, you know anything can happen. Uh, Boston seems you know they you know Boston seems to have turned around their team uh, somewhat. And uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Naz, they didn't make the playoffs last year, no, they did. Oh, they 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 did. did? Yeah, and they lost out to Ottawa. 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 Okay. Certainly, they weren't projected as one of the uh, one of the favorites in in the in the Atlantic uh, uh, division this year. Uh, they seem to have taken their game to a different level. Uh, Bergeron. I mean that line of marchand Bergeron, and who, who's the is it Pasternak? Pasternak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've been they've been put, sent in the league on fire. Aside from uh, Marshawn's brain cramp in 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 the in the game a little while ago, where he decided uh, he was going to try and decapitate. I think it was one of the uh, was it, were they playing New Jersey that night? I, whoever they were playing and. Uh, you know, Marshawn got five game suspension. I mean, something's got to be done about. Th- I mean, he he he's he, there. He does he, that all the time. He, I, I mean, he I would say he's getting a reputation as a dirty player. I'd be so bold to say that. Oh, yeah, he, he is. He, he
3: has that reputation
2: already. He, he is not getting. He and has. Um, somehow, you know the somehow the league, you know, five games. Maybe you know they got to give him a ten gamer. And you know, there's no necessity. I mean, Marshawn's a he's a pest. Right, he's that, he's that type of hockey player. He reminds me so much of Ken Lindsman in some ways. Perhaps, uh, you know, and Marshawn in the last two, three years has taken his game to a different level. He came into the league as a pesky, pest type of player and has vaulted himself into the upper echelon of of talented players in the league. He doesn't need to play like that. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's a shame that... Um, um, that he reduces his game to that level every now and then. It just, you know, it just he loses control for whatever reason. And you know, if the NHL is going to get a control on this guy, you know, maybe five games isn't enough.
3: And he's a premier player. He's a very good hockey player. Well, uh, I mean, an, a, an excellent player, as a matter of fact. And he it, was on the top line in the World Cup with uh, Bergeron and Crosby. Yeah, didn't he score the winning
2: goal or yeah, the he, tying goal the in tying that last goal. game? He, he's an Can't amazing remember. player. Just, uh, and it's it's unfortunate. Uh, so uh, you know, that'll be a that'll be a difficult matchup for the Leafs and uh you know how how to control that line and you know uh Boston's got a little bit of talent on the back line. We've yeah, got, got Chara and McAvoy, McAvoy yeah. We'll be back. Uh you know, Tuka Rask is is a pretty good goalie. Um uh, be an interesting matchup for the Leafs. Um um we'll see what uh, Lamorello and Shanahan and uh, more so Lamorello and H- Hunter and the Brain Trust have in mind between now and trade deadline. I mean, the uh, the uh, proverbial uh, uh, the proverbial consensus is that the Leafs need still need some help on defense.
3: Well, Dermot has come up and played very, very well, Wally. I'm not so sure they may not need any help. This, this kid's pretty good.
2: And what's the what's the time frame on Zaitsev? I, uh, Zaitsev is two weeks away from what I'm told. Having lost Zaitsev makes you realize how important uh, he is. He, 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 he was
3: having a good year. He was
2: having a good year. He's skilled. Uh, he's talented, and he's good at moving the puck out of his own zone. And he eats up a lot of minutes. That that you know, and it's it, you know the NHL. Uh, nowadays, when you're trying to, trying to uh, you know, the coach are trying to arrange their matchups or, or line up who's going to play against who, you know, you always want certain, certain defensemen playing X amount of minutes, and then you want other defensemen paying X amount of minutes. And when you've got to take the guys at the bottom that are, that are playing the 10 to 12 minutes a game and you've got to make them play 16, 17 minutes a game, it, it, makes, it makes a big difference.
3: Yeah, Dermot's speed is uh, quite noticeable on the ice. He's very quick, very quick out of his own end. He's yeah. got great, uh, great mobility.
2: So that certainly was a great, great way. I mean, they beat uh, you know they beat the Chicago Blackhawks. Blackhawks may not be the team they've been in the past few years, but they're uh, you know they're in a fight. Uh, so this wasn't this wasn't a pushover game. In it, uh, uh, let, let me uh, rephrase that: Blackhawks needed to win this game. And, and the Leafs went into the madhouse on Madison and, 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 uh, and, and, and squeezed out a win and looked very impressive the next night and uh, with, with McElhinney and Nett, who played very well, uh, and took out a big win in Dallas. That's, that's, a, that's a really impressive stretch, uh, if you want to call two games a stretch, and a, a pretty positive way to head into the All-Star break. I mean, if they can keep that momentum going, um, uh, this Leaf could... This leaf team could surprise.
3: Yeah, Dallas was the the more uh, noticeable game for the Leafs. They they played really really well, and that wasn't expected. They were going, they were on a back to back with the backup goalie, and they and they beat Dallas and played very very well.
2: Anyways, uh, we're going to be going to break now. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking to former New York Ranger, Hartford Whaler, Toronto Maple Leaf, Chris Kutzopoulos. We'll be right back.
4: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with twenty-four slices for just twenty-four dollars. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! Everybody down! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with twenty-four square slices for just twenty-four dollars. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound three six three six.
5: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever
1: wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning
2: and welcome back to the Nas and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. On the internet, we're live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Nas and Wally Sports Hour, former New York Ranger, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Chris Hartford-Whaler, uh, Windsor Spitfire, the pride of Scarborough, Chris Katsopoulos. Good morning, Chris. How are you?
6: Hey, good morning, guys. How's things going up here in my uh,
2: hometown of Toronto? <laughs> in your old stomping grounds. Listen, Chris, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. And talking about your your hometown, Chris, of course, uh, you're the uh, Scarborough, Ontario is, I guess, where it all started uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Scarborough, what area, and how you got involved in hockey to begin with.
6: Well, I, I actually uh, I, we grew up uh, at Birchmount and Danforth there, uh, uh, and started out in the Clara Lee League, and I guess it was part of the East York Hockey League back then, way back in the early '60s. So, uh, you know, from there, went you know, we moved up to uh, McCown and Elsmere. My family's still there. My my mother's still living there, and. Uh, yeah, you know, we end up joining the Wexford Hockey League. I'm not sure it's around anymore. I think somebody told me it folded years ago, many years ago. But I went, came through the Wexford Hockey League uh, program. You know, from there, you know, somehow I just battled my way, you know, through junior a little bit and uh, into the NHL.
3: Speaking of battle, you took on some heavy customers, Bob Probert, Bob Kelly. How
6: did well, you find that role, yeah. Chris? <laughs> well, it's uh listen. I live to tell the story. Is all I could <laughs> tell you about that. He was one tough hombre. Uh, uh, you know, Bobby Prover was probably like one of the greatest heavyweight fighters uh, that the NHL ever seen. So, uh, you know, when I when I fought him, I fought him a couple times. I think I, my record's all. I got no wins, one one draw and, and, and a loss. So I think that's pretty good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking to uh, uh, Chris Katsopoulos. Chris, we want to we want to catch up with you. We want our listeners to know. Uh, uh, we, we obviously have fond memories of uh, you were, you're what they used to call in the old days a, a lunch bucket hockey player. You're a hardworking, uh, great teammate. Came to the defense of your teammates. Uh, well respected. Um, what uh, what have you been up to after after hockey? And what are you up to these days?
6: Well, I you know when I retired, I, I spent a year or two up in Toronto, and then uh, my wife and I and my son we moved down here to Pennsylvania. We 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 uh, we're living in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania right now, which you know I'd been visiting here throughout the '80s because uh, my wife's uh, parents had moved here, so we figured it would be a good place to bring our kid up. Uh. And these days, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really doing much. I'm playing some some charity hockey games. Uh, I do visit the Rangers, as you know. My first team was the New York Rangers in the NHL, and I've got quite a, you know, quite a uh, good amount of friends still hanging around there, from Ron Greshner to Ron Duguay and Nicky Uh I just finished up ten years uh, doing Quinnipiac University's uh, radio. Uh, 10 years. This is the first year I stopped doing it, but I was their color man for 10 years. Had a good, uh, very good time doing that. I mean, college hockey's come so far in the last 15, 20 years, and, and uh, you know, the talent pool's very, very big, big time there now in college hockey. I had a lot of fun doing it, but uh, I think the travel got to me a little bit. So basically, just, you know, going to Ranger games and doing some appearances here and there.
3: Now, the uh, when you uh, played in Hartford, you ended up playing with uh, some pretty good hockey players. Uh, Dave Keon was one, uh, Ron Francis. How did it feel, and Mark Howe, of course. How did it feel playing with these type of players?
6: Well, you know, uh, I always tell people I, I won the uh, Budweiser MVP for, on defense my first year in Hartford after the trade from New York. <laughs> I, I, somebody should have just given it right to Mark Howe. I mean, he did all the good work with the pocket stuff like that, and I did all the... Uh, I did all the dirty work, but uh, I was fortunate to play with a good player like Mark Howell, and I also played with his brother Marty uh, a couple years later. And uh, I still say to this day, Marty's probably as good a player as I ever played with. He just never got the recognition because of his dad and Mark, Mark being so, you know, high profile. But uh, the Davy Keon story is really interesting because, uh, you know, I, I I remember sitting in the dressing room there and I'm looking at a guy 41 years old and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I was two years old when this guy won the Rookie of the Year and he could still skate like the wind. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, uh, you just think about that for a second. You know, I, I was born in 58. I think Davy Keon uh, won the Rookie of the Year. I think it was 60, 1960, 61, it, something it was, like that. And you're absolutely here right. I am playing with the guy.
2: It was 60, 61. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, hockey's changed. I know you're, you're uh, from what I've read about you. You're, you've obviously have strong opinions, and you've been very opinionated about about hockey, generally in a positive sense. Uh, but hockey's not the game uh, it used to be in in, in terms of. Uh, and, and I'm going to ask you to be blunt: Is uh, you know the the fighting's not part of the game anymore? And you know, different people have different opinions about that. Uh, the instigator rule i think uh, you've been critical about in the past um where would a where would a chris Kutzopoulos fit in in today's n h l
6: Well, i I'll, I'll be i'll be blunt like you said i'll be honest i don't think i can play in today's game be quite honest with you uh you take away you take away the hook you take away the uh the slash you take away the cross check you take away uh a defenseman's weapon in front of the net, knocking guys over and stuff like that. I mean, this is what the NHL's done. And uh, if you really go back, I mean, if you had the time, I mean, I I could talk all day about certain guys that are in the Hall of Fame that couldn't play in today's game. Uh, I... I am critical of the game today. I think I think a lot of the uh, stuff that you've seen over the last five six years with this concussion stuff and hits from behind and all that stuff is, I, I think a lot of the players feel that the rule book says that I'm protected. But you know we're talking about a high speed fast game and you know guys doing this for a living and 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 no rule book's going to change that uh, what goes on in the ice. And I think the only thing you can go back to is uh, maybe we didn't have the medical uh, you know clearance and all that stuff back when we played in the 70s and the 80s uh you know whether we had concussions or not but I don't remember too many guys getting carried off the ice the way they've been getting carried off the ice the last 4 or 5 6 years here in the NHL and that's all because the NHL tried to protect everybody with, with rules and I just feel that you know the players took care of that, that kind of stuff if you if, if something was dirty back when I played I mean it got taken care of that night we didn't have to wait 2 3 days for some guy in an office you know, to, to, to decide, well, you know, it looked like he hit him in the head. Oh, it looked like he hit him from behind and all that stuff. We took care of it back in the day. I mean, and I don't know. I, I guess I'm that old guy sitting on a park bench now that I thought I'd never be. But I think the NHL's kind of overruled stuff. And, you know, you, you, you're bringing up hockey players now in the NHL that really aren't that brave, but they're brave enough now because of the uh, rule book.
3: Chris, your assessment of the uh, current Leaf team, Do you have any? have you watched them at all?
6: Yeah, oh yeah. I I still follow them. I still have a soft spot for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I get a lot of uh you know, I get a lot of correspondence with Leaf fans wondering why I'm not not, you know, pro Leaf one hundred percent and you because know, I was a Toronto boy growing up and you know, in Toronto and playing for them a lot longer than I played for any other team other than Hartford. But uh you know, people have to understand your first love is your first team, so that that that's the way it was with the Rangers, and that's the way it is. But today, I follow them big time, and I think I think listen, I think they're a pretty good team, and I think they're still going to be a big, big factor coming up in the playoffs. I mean, if they put all that talent together, uh, they're going to be a tough out by anybody.
2: Uh, we're talking to Chris Katsopoulos, talking about your current love and first love, Chris. The New York Rangers. Uh, of course, you played during an interesting time uh, with the Rangers. There were some interesting characters. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Rangers at that time. And I've I, I read one of your interviews uh, uh, taken down a, a few years ago where uh, somebody asked you about some of the hijinks with some of that team. And, uh, of course, you're playing on a team with Phil Esposito and Ron Duguay and some other interesting. Interesting characters. And at that time, you sort of uh, deflected the question and said uh, uh, some things had to stay behind dressing room doors. Uh, is there anything uh, anything you can tell us that uh, about those times that is something that we can repeat on the air and just to give us <laughs> just to give us a sense of uh, just to give us a sense of the characters on that team and the fun that you guys had?
6: You know, we we were a team that was struggling that year. Uh, my first year in the league, uh, we had Freddie Shiro's coach, and uh, I think 20 games in, or 20 20 or so games in, we, you know, he got fired, and Craig Patrick took over. But yeah, uh, you know, you're right. You had some characters on that team. You had Phil Esposito, great great scorer, Hall of Famer, and. And uh, you know, I actually sat next to him in uh, the dressing room in, in Mass Square Garden as a rookie, so it was kind of weird sitting next to Phil Esposito because I, we'll go back to what I what I said earlier. I, I grew up a Boston Bruin fan, not a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, living in Toronto. So it was great to sit next to him. But Phil had all these—I uh, uh, mean, I don't know what you want to call them, rabbit feet, every kind of trinket in the world, all over his, uh, you know dressing room stall there, just because he was very, very uh, superstitious and stuff like that. Don't touch the sticks. Don't cross over. But uh, I guess, really, uh, for me, it was like the Ron Duguay and uh, Ron Greshner. They were two young guys that, uh, you know, kind of uh, both came from, like, you know, not not big cities. I mean, you take a look at Ron Duguay from Sudbury, Ontario, and uh, Ron Greshner, Good Soil, Saskatchewan. And then all of a sudden, they come to New York, and they become... uh, you know, basically like, like a movie star status. And, uh, you know, let's put it this way. Uh, they were, they were quite a bit on page six of the New York post, which was like an entertainment <laughs> section, you know, dancing at this nightclub, being at that nightclub, uh, studio 54 and all that stuff. But, uh, I'll be honest, with you, you're, you're right in that last article you said you read about me. i, I got to keep a lot of this stuff in the <laughs> house. I mean, it, it was just a wild time in New York at the time. That's all I can tell you.
3: Very interesting. Now, uh, the current Ranger team, uh, they're, they're going through uh, an interesting uh, time right now. They're not sure if they should uh, do a uh, makeover of that team or keep the team they have and add on to it. What do you think, uh, Chris?
6: Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of things happened this year. I think, you know, they got off to a slow start, obviously. I mean, they they were really bad the first 10 games. Uh, Then all of a sudden, you know, you lose a guy like Mika Zibanejad, who I think was on his way to being one of the top, you know, at least I'd say five to number 10 centers in the league when he broke his leg. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, right now I think they're, they're they're kind of deciding whether they want to be buyers or sellers. So I think I think I think the rumor is they're going to be sellers right now because uh, you know let's let's call it what it is. I mean, you look at the standings in, in, in the East, and it's other than Tampa. Boston, maybe Washington. I'm not convinced of Washington. I never am. But uh, I mean, it's they're, they're jumbled right up there. I mean, so what do you do? Do you make the playoffs just for the sake of making the playoffs, uh, or do you, do you start selling stuff? I think the rumor is they're going to they're possibly going to sell, and obviously the names you hear are Rick Nash, Michael Grabner. Uh, I've even I've even heard stuff like McDonough and uh, Zuccarello maybe to the least for Nylander, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you hear down here. Uh, We've been hearing it'll the be same thing. Here. I think. I think when I get back from this All Star break, uh, I think the first couple of games, obviously Toronto. I will be going to the game against Toronto on Thursday. Uh, I think that it'll be a telltale sign, probably uh, two or three games in, into the all, after the All Star break, where where you'll see some movements. I think around the league, and if the Rangers are part of it, you know, so be it. That's just the way it is.
3: What did they do with Lundqvist? He's at the age now that uh I guess he's got a couple of years, or a few years left on his contract. What about his position there?
6: Yeah, you know, i it, it's a tough thing with Lundqvist cuz uh, I'm I'm a big believer in him. I, I understand the age is getting up there, you know, when it comes to goaltenders and you take a look at the history of goaltenders uh not many have won a Stanley Cup at a certain age and stuff like that, but uh you know, Lunkus has got. I think he's got three or four years left. Four years left on a contract. Uh, it, it, it's a double edged sword. I mean, you take a look at the last seven, eight times the Rangers have made the playoffs. I think probably at least half those times, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have even come close. I mean, he's been uh, he's been the foundation of this organization since he, since he started playing uh, as a number one goaltender. But you know, I could also see you know maybe a number one team or a number two team that doesn't feel their goaltending's. Uh, up to stuff but you know uh, the possibility of maybe picking them up but uh you know i i got a feeling there'd be a lot of uh a lot of angry ranger fans if if if, if uh, henrik lung was 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 willing to agree to get traded and end up being traded in the end uh that's a tough call i mean I, that's why there's managers in the league guys <laughs> 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 that's their call
2: Anyways, Chris, listen. We we thoroughly enjoyed uh, having you with us this morning, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really uh, appreciate your uh, your blunt comments and uh, some of your good stories. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, have a good day. Thanks so much. That of course was uh, the former uh, New York Ranger, Hartford Whaler, uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, uh, Chris Kotsopoulos. Interesting, interesting man.
3: Yeah, very interesting. He told it like it is. <laughs> I still want to hear these stories from that Ranger team. Interesting characters.
2: Oh, there! I'm sure there were uh, from the, from those days on on all the NHL teams. Uh, there were some fascinating characters. Uh, and uh, you listen to some of the WHA stories. Even <laughs> even take it to another level. They had uh, that was a different different world back then. And uh, and uh, guess guess people with in, in a pre iPhone world where nobody was walking around with a camera a, a lot of a lot of stuff happened and they had a lot of fun uh, anyways we're going to break as soon as we're back from the break we'll be talking to matt from the golf channels
4: matt janella it was a rainy day when pizzaville announced that you can get a three topping party pizza with 24 slices for just 24 dollars. it's perfect for large groups on a budget like staff meetings sports teams or special ops units. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right
0: shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money, too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014.
1: Ask for Blair Downey.
5: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports.
1: They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio.
2: Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. Once again, downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM internet, live streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour from the Golf Channel's Morning Drive, Matt Janella. Good morning, Matt. How are you?
7: Uh good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having
2: me. It's always a pleasure having you. It seems all it seems every time we talk to you, Matt, it's freezing cold up here and you're uh, you're having fun somewhere uh, uh hitting <laughs> some golf balls in a more in a more southern climate. So uh every time we talk to you, I suddenly feel a little bit warmer. Thanks so much for joining us. Any- Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> Hopefully we'll catch up soon, Matt. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the the focus of the golf world this weekend has been, of course, uh, centered on uh, Tory Pines out in California, just north of San Diego. And, of course, we're talking about um, Tiger Woods. Um, seems to be getting into the thick of his golf season. He had uh, obviously had the performance earlier back in December, but now we're back into the real meat of the tour. Uh, your assessment of the impact uh of tiger um returning I, I if i can you choose that word carefully uh and and his game number uh let's 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 uh, let's analyze this from both perspective of the tour and from the perspective of tiger's game what does it look like
7: well uh, first of all i mean uh, i couldn't be more excited here we are on a sunday morning i'm 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 looking forward to Watching the coverage, we got Tiger under par on a Sunday of a regular tour event that involved a cut, and um, and he, he's in the you know he's not necessarily in the mix to, to win the tournament, but he's in the mix on a Sunday uh, play, playing golf. And I mean, I, I don't I don't know that we can even quantify the, uh, the the impact that he'll have if he has a full healthy season, uh, if he plays you know twenty events i mean that's that's all that we could have ever possibly asked for uh given the given the state of his physical conditions the last five years and um so it's exciting it's almost to the point where there, there's been so many stops and starts we, we I, I try to temper my excitement because um, you don't want to get disappointed again if if you know one bad swing causes him to be carted off because of you know a, a sudden back issue. But it doesn't seem to be the case now. I listened to his press conferences this week, and for the first time that I can remember in several years, he's talking as a competitor and not as a guy. As I tweeted out, not as a sort of a medical mystery. Not as a well. If I can, you know, yeah, it felt pretty good. But I mean, I just think the way he looks. The way he's swinging the swing speeds and ball speeds and everything that he's generating um in terms of his physical abilities with the golf club in his hand uh, all all are are great signs for the game <laughs> when when um uh so there's that um as it relates to to the actual results he's getting on the course um you know he's not hitting he's not hitting fairways um I've always felt like t- t- you know tiger Tiger's never been, you know, the Rory McIlroy of of driving the golf ball. There's been stretches of his career where he's been better than other times of his career, but he's always been the guy who not unlike Seve, could could win, you know, with without, you know, hitting the middle of the fairway. And the fact that he's, you know, hit three fairways yesterday and uh, and was under par it just go, you know. It's, I, I think that's a good sign because I think if he can figure something out and get it, get a swing off the tee, if he can get a hold of his adrenaline and and, and his competitive nerves, uh, which shouldn't take long, he gets some reps. He's hitting more fairways. The short game is there. He's making pots. He's hitting great chips. It's a, this is all a good sign. Um, and, and for me, the the, the the general health of the game with the guys who are the top ten in the world now and all the storylines that we have on a regular basis that have been cultivated over the last five years sort of in the absence of Tiger, to have Tiger back is just sheer bonus. Uh,
2: Matt, uh, you, you touched upon something that um, um, I noticed uh, this week w- with Tiger. um which, which incredibly bodes well for him. and you know, Obviously, they're playing out at Torrey Pines, which is uh, sort of like a home, home course for Tiger. He sort of grew up in the area, and he's had tremendous success at Torrey Pines. Although, with the greatest respect for you, it, not one of my favorite courses, but uh, <laughs> uh, for a lot of different reasons. It's a good golf course, but... Uh, uh, let, that's not the point of this conversation. But you hit the nail on the head, I think. Uh, Tiger hasn't – what I thought when his game fell apart a few years back, it, it wasn't the long game. It was the short game. It was his inability. He was – you know, when he was in his prime winning majors and winning tournaments, he'd never miss a five- or six-footer or an eight-footer when he needed it. He'd never flub a chip. His, the strength. I always thought the strength of Tiger's game was his ability to get the ball in the hole uh, and effectively his short game. I thought that's what deserted him. And what I found incredibly uh, positive about his performance this week is it seems like his short game has come back. And if he's able to maintain that, and I'd want your comments on this once again, if he's able to maintain Play a short game like he played this week. I can very well see him winning a bunch of tournaments uh, and maybe a major or two, uh, Because the rest of it, he'll get he'll get that the rest of it straightened out. Your thoughts again?
7: Oh, I, I think that's I think that's true I, I, without question. Um, it, 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 there's, and there's a couple of reasons why I believe that. Uh, you know, if again if he's playing. If he's playing healthy and he's got the he's got the, the the swing speed and the ball speed, all you know that those all check out now. And he is he is comfortable now around the greens. Um, <clears throat> without question, to me, he's going to win, and wins will include majors, in my opinion. There's too many courses out there that that he's so comfortable at. You know, Augusta National, Pebble Beach, Old Course of St Andrews, Tory, Bay Hill, Firestone mirror field i mean the, 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 these are places that you know he could he you could say those are all home away from homes for obviously for for you know multiple wins at all those all those all those spots so um if you take those courses and you plug them into any schedule that he has and you take tiger woods being tiger woods 14 majors, 79 wins i mean If Davis Love can win at 52, if Patty Harrington can disappear for a few and come back and win on the PGA Tour, if Darren Clark can come out of nowhere and win a major, if Sergio Garcia can be so mentally, you know, uh, damaged that he he himself says, I, you know, I'll never win a major, and then goes on to win the Masters. Justin Rose disappeared for years, went on to win U.S. Open, and, and now is a four. I, I, you know, why can't Tiger – Tom Watson almost won an Open championship at the age of 59. All of those players combined don't equal Tiger Woods. So why wouldn't Tiger Woods be able to do what they do? Matt, what
3: I found the difference was that uh – from two years ago his confidence level is up after the interview uh after his round yesterday he was saying he he wants to shoot in the 60s today he didn't say that in 2015 he looks more confident and i think he's on his way back what do you think
7: that's it i i i think you know tiger doesn't say a lot he's never been incredibly revealing in 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 post-round interviews, um, you know, he's always from an early stage when he got burned by the media, he, he became pretty guarded. And um, so you got to kind of read between the lines. And if you just kind of listen to him this week, um, I, I feel like there is a noticeable change in how he's talking about his game and how he's talking about his future. Yes. He came into this week saying, okay, I'm going to downsize, you know, I'm sort of downgrading my expectations a bit because I haven't been in the thick of it. Haven't been in the fire, uh, as much as I need to, to, to to feel, you know, he, he wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to, you know, yes, he's teased it up. So therefore he's trying to win the tournament. But, um, I just noticed that he was talking as a competitor. He was talking about that, you know, if he, anyone who makes the cut has a chance of winning, you know, the, 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 what you're referring to there in terms of talking about shooting, uh, you know, shooting a specific score that are, you know, multiple shots below par. Great. Great. That is great. If If it takes Tiger convincing himself, in order to be back to being Tiger, whatever he needs to do, great. But the fact, that, the fact is, is he is, is right now at Tory Pines in what is kind of his first official, you know, real tournament back that, that involved a cut on a big league ballpark, um, you know, with all the galleries and the full field. I mean, he's playing on Sunday and he's under par. I mean what more
2: could we ask for um, well i'll certainly be watching this afternoon we're talking to Matt Janella from uh, from the golf channel Matt i know you spent quite a bit of time this week at the uh, at the PJ merchandise show in Orlando uh it was this week correct yes correct yeah. Yeah. uh and I, it's always a bellwether the the merchandise show down there is the biggest one in the world and it's always a bellwether for the golf industry and i want to get your thoughts uh um on on the show um golf eh, in the last few years um has uh from an economic point of view i i don't want to use the word struggled but it's going it's gone through a bit of a of a restructuring or a bit of a um uh putting it putting it together in some sense what's your sense uh from your uh From your being at the PGA Merchandise Show this week, uh, the status of the golf industry and the buzz, and uh, are are we sort of turning a little bit of a corner in terms of where the industry is going?
7: If you talk to sort of the the hardcore business insiders and and all the numbers – and some of the Grow the Game initiatives that, that we've seen pop up over the last couple of years from PGA Junior Leagues and Drive, Chip and Putt and, and uh, things like Youth on Course that started in Northern California Golf Associations. Now, I, t- I stopped by their booth this week that, you know, they're talking, they added another few states, they're almost up, up at 25, almost half of the country now using the subsidized green fee, uh, you know, program subsidized green fees for kids. Um, uh, the 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 buzz in the hallways of of the merch show and sort of the the, the, the attendance the energy um, all this all the social influencers that are there now covering all that is um, the good the good things of the game I think I think we have turned a corner um, I think I I refer to it as connecting the dots so you know if if golf in you know the 90s and early 2000s uh, even back in the late 80s when we were building big hard golf courses and the trend was how big and hard can it be you know the PGA West Stadium course uh, in the mid 80s uh you know debuted on the PGA Tour it was so hard for both the pros and the amateurs it left you know the Rota um but that but the owners at that time specifically told the Dyes built the hardest golf course in the country uh and, and they got they got they got an upward spike of their business because the tour players thought it was so hard. I think those days are long gone. I think we are dialing back golf courses. I think we're building and, and saving and celebrating more short courses. We saw Pinehurst just make a switch to their number three and number five courses to make room for a little nine hole, 789 yard par three course. that can be played in less than an hour. Um, that's, growing with popularity we know band and dunes has uh two short courses and a putting course number one pure golf destination in america um that those are the kind of things we know that here at this week at pga merchandise show a lot of people were going across the street after the merchandise show hours into the night going to top golf hitting balls having fun partying posting videos like you know this from from all the from all the attention that we took, that we're putting now on on the growth of the game from a, from a kids level to what we're doing to make sure that golf is more accessible to the masses at places like Top Golf uh, to the dialing back of hard golf courses and celebrating fun and adventurous golf courses I think I think you know this all needed to happen um, and, and, uh, and 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 I do believe I, I, I from place to place that I go. Um, uh, I believe that we have turned a corner.
2: We're talking to Matt Janella from the Golf Channel. Matt, uh, one last question, and uh, uh, I know that your your passion's always been golf travel, and uh, you all, I, I, you have my resume on file. When you need somebody to come <laughs> and help you out, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy to drop whatever I'm doing and be your cohort. Uh, uh, so, uh, with tongue in cheek, obviously, and I know golf <laughs> travel and. Muddy's trips and we you know are, are prominent at this time of year uh, we didn't we don't have a, a time to talk. we'll have to get you back to talk about that but there's one one uh, one special place in Canada that has vaulted itself to the top of the golfing world that uh, we're in Southern Ontario here and uh, the passionate golfers know about it I know that you've uh, you've been talking about it and it's vaulted its way up in the world rankings and in the in, in the top golf courses of the world. Of course, we're talking about Cabot Links and Cabot Cliffs. uh, Truly a special place. Tell us a little bit about uh, your impressions of, of these two spectacular golf courses.
7: Well, it's got it's got everything. You got you got the beautiful coastline, um, Nova Scotia and Inverness, and uh, and the and the town. You know the rebirth of of this area. You know, giving credit to to Ben Cowanduer and Mike Kaiser and Kemper Sports and uh, and Rod Whitman and uh, Dave Axland and and, and you got Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw and and the team that they assembled to to to. You know, develop these two golf courses um, in this little town. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to to be, have been you know popping in there from time to time and watching this development and the growth and and the notoriety it's getting. You know, for, for the for the world traveling golfer, uh, certainly for the North American golfer, it's uh, I mean, it's great. It's one of the one of the great stories in in golf development, sort of in the modern era. Uh, I, I I think uh, Corin Crenshaw are considered one of the you know, if I in my opinion, they are the best of the modern architects and this is one of their best in their portfolio. Uh it just happens to be uh, you know, uh Cape Breton Island and in and, and little town of Inverness in, in Canada. And I and I love I love the people. I love I love the area. I I love the culture. I love Going down the street to the whiskey distillery, I love driving uh, the two and a half hours up to Highlands Lakes and uh, all that you see along the way—the beautiful, beautiful roadway. And I, you know, this is this is what golf does. It, 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 insp- you know, it, it inspires people to get up off the couch and, and go take a trip somewhere and, and experience the land in, in a way that. You can't, you know, you can't do uh, every time, you know, to walk those coast that that dramatic coastline and uh, and to be a part of what is that 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 culture is a, is a special trip. I when when they are able to build a an airport or expand an airport closer to uh, Inverness than, you know, something other than Halifax, which is a good four and a half hour drive, I think you're going to see a, a real uptick in 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 and people going there. I think they're probably going to add some golf, probably a short course, maybe another 18-hole course to that area over the course of the next couple years. I think they're going to add a lot more lodging. I think everything's going to continue to grow. I think um, they've done it right, and uh, they're reaping the benefits of it.
2: We've been talking to Matt Janela. Matt, uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We love your passion. Uh, I'm passionate about golf. I love chatting with somebody else who's got a greater passion for it than I do. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it.
7: Always a pleasure. Like I said, thanks again for thinking of me and look forward to catching up soon.
2: Keep well, my friend. Thank you.
7: Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: -bye. Bye. Matt Janella from the Golf Channel. Uh, Certainly going to be watching Tiger this afternoon. Uh, uh, And... um, I think, he's got, I think uh, if his back holds up, watch out, Naz. There is a
3: difference this time. I noticed it in the interview uh, yesterday. It, there is a difference.
2: If his health holds up and he's got his short game back, uh, watch out. Um, interesting thing this week, Naz. I pulled out the NHL scoring stats. I want to run this by you. I pulled out the scoring stats. And guess who's tied for third in NHL scoring? Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel. Man, you're smart. That was good. Eh? <laughs> Phil Kessel. Your thoughts on that?
3: Well, he's always been a scorer. There's no question about it. I wonder how good he'd be on this current Leaf team, and how many goals he would, how many points he would get.
2: You stick him on a line with Austin Matthews. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know that's seven million dollars a the year. Fat guy can, were... <laughs> the, fat guy,
3: the fat guy can score. And he can still skate for a fat guy. Uh, you, you know, he, he's they, got, they say what he, they say about him, but he still puts the puck in the net.
2: He's tied. He's he's got fifty-eight points. Yeah, he's tied for third. He's behind. He's tied with Stamkos, uh, and he's sort of sneaky in there. Crosby's not having a Crosby-like season. He's he's getting up there now. He's yeah, Crosby. Slower, I mean, so. it's sort of what he did the year uh, year before. He's had a really strong second half of the season, and you know, he's. You know, dynamite in the playoffs, and uh, but um, Kessel, um, you know, seven million dollars a year um, is probably a bargain if he's going to finish second or third in the NHL scoring. He
3: could win the scoring title. He's yeah. not that far up. I think he's like four. He's five points behind. I think he's
2: five five points behind, five points, points, yeah. five, five points behind um, Kucherov, uh, the Tampa guy uh in uh, so it it's interesting i i know there there's no there's no clamor to bring phil kessel back to toronto no. and he's not coming back to toronto there's no you know nobody's criticizing anybody for uh for moving him out because that was a a, a dark era in the toronto maple leaf and you know he's he reputedly had a you know who who knows what the press prints in this city, but they they ganged up on him and turned him into a bad guy with a bad attitude with a penchant for bad food and all the other stupid things they wrote about him uh, but they I guess they wanted a new culture in in the dressing room, so they moved Phil Kessel out but uh You know, Phil, the thrill's done pretty good for himself since he left. A couple of Stanley Cups. um, Scores big goals. He scores uh, very big goals. Talented, talented hockey player. I think that's what people forgot about Phil Kessel. In an NHL where skill level makes all the difference in the world and speed and, you know, had an incredibly quick shot – yeah, he wouldn't look too bad in the leaf uniform right now, well, he'd would he? Look
3: pretty good <laughs> on the power play, but, but
2: great. Uh, yeah, I guess no going back to that. Uh, certainly, uh, one of the area I wanted to I wanted to bring up this week um, is sort of controversial. I mean, I looked at the hit a few times, and uh, he's a local boy, uh, Andrew Cogliano. Um Interesting story. Uh, he had played eight hundred plus games straight in the NHL. He had the longest Iron Man streak in the NHL for the longest time um, and um, generally I mean I, I remember watching Andrew Cogley local boy Woodbridge Ontario uh, uh, played in uh, Vaughn King's um, clean hockey player. I remember watching him when he was four years old uh, playing in a, in a select game. And you know, you could see at that age, he could skate like the wind. Um, Same Mike's guy, um, just a, just generally a soft-spoken, clean hockey player. Got a two-game suspension, and it ruined his it ruined his Ironman streak. I don't know. I don't know if you've looked at that hit, Naz. Um I you know I you know to to and I know that the NHL's sensitive about head hits as they should be. Um, uh, the interesting part about that decision uh, they suspended Cogliano for two games, and he law- and uh, the, the the ducks management were absolutely furious about it uh, it happened happened in a game with the kings uh, the The NHL guy who made that decision was George Peros, who used to be a teammate of coglianos. Um, I wish they could have found a different way to deal with uh, with the issues. obviously, we want to penalize people i didn 't think it was a deliberate hit to the head. I think the NHL should have found a way to put the message out that. And he was
3: a first-time offender too, which yeah. is uh, like I see what Marshawn
2: does. Yeah. You know, Marshawn gets five games, and he's got a hiss he's got a rap sheet the length of my you know my arm, and and you know he's probably Marshawn should probably, probably got ten to twenty for what he did, and Cogliano got two games for that. It, it wasn't a del- it was it was a penalty, no question. He hit him after the guy had left the puck. It wasn't a direct attempt to get the guy in the head. The head got into the hit. Unfortunately, he deserves something. Maybe, it, maybe a fifty thousand dollar fine. I don't think he sh- they should have given him a two game suspension.
3: I agree. They shouldn't have given him a suspension. And Doug Jarvis's uh, record keeps in, in tow, right?
2: Anyways, ten seconds left. Nas Super Bowl next Sunday. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. Uh, prediction.
3: Well, I think the Eagles are going to beat the Patriots, but we'll talk about that next Sunday.
2: <laughs> I, 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 think the, I think the Eagles are the better team. I don't know how I can bet against the Patriots. They just have a way. They just have a way. I don't know how they do it. Anyways, it's been another fun week on the Naz Wally Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. Have a fantastic week.